<laughs> Hello and welcome again. We were just having a very depressed, depressing discussion, but welcome back for another week of What's the Damage? Companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular real play D&D show, Roll for Damage, soon to be a major motion picture. That's not true. Um, <laughs> our heroes had a bit of a rough one last week. Um, there were no more spiders, thankfully, but they did have a disturbing encounter in the desert, which left them burnt up, singed, and missing some of their most precious items. Uh, also, I think they were feeling a bit sad about that, so there was some emotional damage as well. Today, me and my guests will be discussing this tragic loss and also sharing some tips for brand new baby DMs. Should be fun. As always, stick around after the stream for links and resources um, to support the ongoing Black Lives Matter movement. Thank you to Sunbird and Lady Meows who designed our logo and wrote our theme. Uh, very talented, the both of them. You can find their info on our Twitch page. As always, I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? And we're back. Okay, joining me today is our favorite DM, Serenity, here to talk about DMing, appropriately enough, the wonderful Jake, who plays Oriana, and the ever-funny Jay, who plays Dobby. How are you guys doing? You had a rough session. I know what the physical and monetary damage was, but how's the emotional damage? How are we feeling? I'm feeling terrible. Oh. <laughs> I don't think they've made words for the emotions that I felt that night. I, I, uh, yeah, yeah, it's bad. I just wish the player was as good at Oriana as Riddles, and that would have gone so easily. Yeah, dude. I, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, uh, Serenity just thinks we're smarter than, than we think we are, and, uh, it's like, it just goes over our heads most I of the know. time. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like maybe I could have been a little less mean but my whole thing was is you're online i you're not at a table and yeah. so it was like i don't know what you, I, like i know what you guys have your group yeah. chat um which is why i took it into whispers but there's still the option to like chat to people and like send them something and get help and so i had to kind of like i was like well if i give you just whatever time you're eventually going to figure it out because you're going to google it or you're going to get other people to help you or whatnot 
Um, and so I was like, oh, I got to put a time limit on it. Um, yeah. And so that that's kind of what I did. Also, and then there, also, had to be, like, there had to be stakes to it. Like, if it was just like, oh, you get forever, and there's no stakes, and you're just going to sit and wait for you, eventually you'll figure it, you know, you'll probably figure it out. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to yeah. clarify, Internet, I did not cheat. I did not Google. <laughs> I did not do anything. Yeah. I just yeah. suck we can, at we can, riddles. We can all second that. But, you know, Serenity, you know, did the time-old tradition of Sun Tzu, which is divide and conquer. Uh, and she conquered us all. I didn't. I didn't divide you. You guys made the decisions. I, I there was. He didn't even hey, say anything. Hey. Yo, you were like, okay, one person, one, one person, one person, and then it'd be equivalent trade. So two. two. Well, yeah. What we did do is two I mean, people. He's, smart. he's a smart yeah. guy. Yeah. Which hey man. High in, high intelligence man. We we did we did not think that out. Uh, <laughs> and we we took all the beatings. Yeah. Honestly, I was expecting one of you to like make the argument that, hey, I'm a fucking adventurer. I'm worth two peasants. Yo. Well, Fine. that's what that's what uh, what Jake's character tried to do. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, problem Oriana, is, Oriana is up, they're but... they're being used as slaves. Like he doesn't care yeah. that yeah. you can play a violin or that you can throw knives really well or whatever or punch people. That's not what he was going to be using them for. Right, so at breaking labor, yeah, at breaking labor, chain gang, man, just be on the chain gang. Ah, uh, wonderful stuff. Um, so Serenity, why don't you tell me a bit about designing those games? Because obviously, obviously, you prepped like what was going to go on with the gin. Yeah. Um. So I actually had a name for that little adventure, which was a slave to the game, and I was um, and it was uh, just this idea of coming upon this creature and. If you decided to go toe to toe, um, there were going to be three things, and I wanted to give three things because I was like, I want to be, I want to have multiple options. If it was just like you have to fight this thing, then, um, then there's I, like I always like to have many different ways of mm -hmm. being able to to defeat a challenge, uh, and so if they spoke to this thing, I was he would have three options of the things that they could do a strength challenge where he would summon his champion and fight theirs um uh a uh i wanted something that would force someone to kind of like use their brain um which was wits and i figured okay it'll be like a riddle um and the riddle that i chose was ironically the thing that they were making which was a deal and i i figured oh this is kind of like oh. on on the nose um uh so they the answer to this uh and then the last one was just pure luck i was like that the last one is like if you just want to go for it like 50 50 chance actually it wasn't 50 50 because it's a vondra's favor but um it's like it's like craps game uh mm -hmm. you know if you do it you 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 win kind of thing uh, and so i wanted to have those um those options and then on top of that i wanted the option of you could just like head head on fight and there was the potential to win there or you could have someone kind of fake play and and then be take and then be kind of sneaking off with the people and just book it um and that's kind of like what i expected i expected as soon the, the weird thing for me out of the group was as soon as i was like you fail I was like, he goes to put the chains on you. Like, no one was like, fuck that. Like, off we go. It was like, he took the first person. Then he took the second person. And I was like, none of them are fighting this. They're just getting taken. And so it was just very strange for me like that. Yeah, they it were wasn't... playing very fair. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't expect that from adventurers. Like, I was like, yeah, they're going to be sneaky or snooty about, about something. Um, 
but yeah, they, they, uh, they unfortunately, uh, that, that, that's just how it went. And, uh, thanks to the lucky persuasion at the very, very end, they got away mm. with, um, with their what lives. they needed, their lives. They lost a few things, important things, but, but yeah. Yeah. So you were expecting there to be like a chase scene through the desert. Cause you mentioned like during the stream that you were not expecting them to do what they did. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was ex I wasn't actually expecting much of a chase scene. Like he probably would have gone. He had to be there to meet with a group. Mm -hmm. He w and he knew how close to the city, uh, this this area was. Uh, like he like the the way that I was playing him was he came upon these two people. That wasn't what he was there for. They just kind of happened upon him and decided to play a game with him. And he was like, great, if I get this extra, sure, fine. Um, but had they have kind of taken them away from him, he wouldn't have been like, I have a vendetta against you for the rest of your <laughs> lives. Um, no, he had his, his reason for being there and he wasn't going to go like they were going to be there in the next like little while. And he wasn't just going to go, he maybe would have chased them a few feet, but they would have gotten mm -hmm. away. So interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um, so Jake, Oriana got to save the day. Oh yeah. Tell me yeah. about that. Like das desperate last ditch attempt at convincing the Afrites. Um, yeah, well, Oriana was full on actually planning on revealing a lot of her backstory, thinking maybe that makes her worth more and would, uh, you know, he would uh, let everybody go. Um, turns out he didn't really care about that part of it, but she did manage to persuade him. So that felt really good. Um, but definitely, um, Oriana's been having a lot of sort of existential crisis mm -hmm. uh, lately about feeling useless, as you know, obviously came up later. So that that was a good win for her, even though she didn't take it as a win at first. Yeah, she had to kind of be bullied into feeling good about that one. <laughs> Feel good about more yourself, less, more less. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Respect yourself, goddammit. Um... Yeah, so questions to Reddy. Um, while this was happening, were you like thinking to yourself, oh, I'm going to have to like invent a whole jail break thing for if they get taken to, um, if they get no, taken I, to the I, fiery I, realm? It was going to be, it was going to be a, a TPK. Like that was, oh, really? they weren't getting <laughs> that out. That was like, it? Once the, once the thing took them, there's no way they're getting out of the fire plane. Like they're going to be in the middle of, of a, a city owned by Ifridi slavers. Like that, how, at this level? There's, they're not Vox Machina. They're not, you know, they're not level 16 uh, where they can, they have all the tricks up their sleeves. They barely have any items. And that was not going well for them. I was really, really worried. I was, I, I didn't know what You're I was like, doing well, at that point. goes the stream. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. How do I come back from this? I don't know what I'm going to do. Like the only one that was going to get away at the end there was, was Perry. She was the only mm -hmm. one who hadn't made a deal with them um, and wasn't in the middle of being turned into shish kebab um and i i yeah i was just worried so yeah had they have had they have let someone go they that character like had they have one person had gone and then they decided we're mm -hmm. not doing this anymore um that person would have just been they would have had to make a new character like that they're not coming back from that at least not unless they later down the line the party decided let's go to the fire plane and see if we can save this person but even then it would be really hard to find them they might be very different than who they were when they first came so Ooh. yeah it was, was uh, very dire for a it, little bit it was Probably yeah, would have no. two eye patches yeah. <laughs> no it was, it just, was yeah. just have a bandage at that point i mean yeah. hey, he's the blind monk he's the literal I mean, the literal stereotype at that point can we 
Could be pretty cool. You don't know. Yeah. Um, oh. yeah speaking of Dobby, you yes. found your knives only to have one of them ripped away right away. Yeah, um, dude. yeah. Then later on, you had an interesting conversation slash lecture slash almost pep talk. Mm. So how is Dobby doing right now? In, in, a, in a mindset of like overall it's it's just kind of like miasma of emotion and shit like he was depressed and then immediately he was just brought into this question just like oh yeah here's your fucking dagger and he's like oh shit okay cool and he's like oh yeah you know um kind of you know the technically love of your life you know she's kind of alive and he's like oh okay cool yeah i thought she was dead um okay cool uh that's a it's another layer upon layer it's an emotional onion one might say you know uh one might so say. it's not just like one emotion it's kind of like this combined mindset that he's in right now and i'd say overall he's he's very confused yeah cool yeah, we did. We've been learning a decent amount about Dobby's apparently quite tragic backstory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll <laughs> see what happens next there. Dobby's having an episode. It'll probably keep going. Yo, man. Hey, Dobby's like the unluckiest halfling probably. Out there, He's just got you know? some good news. What do you mean, unluckiest? <laughs> yeah, you know, but like, you know, Rethus was like. And okay, unluckiest. He got. He, he lost the stuff. He found it. Yeah. He lost, lost it stuff, again because of his own shit. Got okay. it back, and then was told, "I think he's pretty goddamn lucky." Hey, man. Two sides of the same coin. Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> also, he has a god that just wants to love him. That's pretty lucky. You know, yeah. hey, man, he's been hurt. My God, specifically? I mean, I guess. Hey, man. Hey, you just gotta wait till the backstory, dude. Oh, my God. You have to let Butcher go, man. Or kill him. One of those. <laughs> one of those. One of the two. One of those things. One of those, one of those things. Good choice. You know, catharsis. Um, <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, man, rough episode. Um, So, tell me a bit, because, like, as we sort of touched on before... Oriana took some convincing to like to like realize that she had actually sort of saved the day and should maybe feel proud about that. So what was she planning to do like when she tried to run away? Just go and sulk or um in the tavern. Uh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I don't really know. I don't really know what she would have done. I was kind of playing it by ear at the time and just like she would go down to eat and then she would leave and at that point nobody had really been trying to talk to her or interact with her really so Mm -hmm. there wasn't really anything for me to do except say Oriana's getting up to leave and thankfully they stopped her um but yeah she probably would have gone up to the room she probably would have sulked she I don't know it's possible she may have left a note and just left in the middle of the night man goodbye Oriana Luckily, we still get to hear her now mediocre playing. She had a little, she had a little thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, can you all, can both of you tell me a little bit about what 
a little bit more about what the item that you lost meant to you because Dobby lost his little knife, little stabber, and Ori lost <laughs> lost her book, which was given to her by her mentor, I believe. Yes. The the um well, I don't know. Did we work out if that was actually given to her by Damien or if um, she just got it later? It wasn't given to her by Damien, but she wrote a lot of yeah. notes okay. and stories and how she had learned her craft and everything like that in there. Plus all yeah. of the new latest tales of them going through Dash and, uh, you know, um, Ivor and uh, Dahana and all of that stuff and then the gods and everything like that. Like she's been collecting all of these stories and creating shanties and songs and things like that and that, that was all in there. It's very personal. Yeah. It, it, you could say it was her collection of bardic uh, knowledge all of her songs, everything, yeah. So it, it it was more than personal. It was like a part of her mm. at this point because she's becoming... I, I like to think that Ariana really wasn't a bard until right before the campaign, but this is definitely now a significant part of her life and it is a part of her. So it was really a big emotional loss. But luckily it wasn't a spell book. I should probably uh, <laughs> write things down in my notes better than just spellcraft book. <laughs> uh, I mean, it saved you, so maybe take worse notes. I don't know. That might be the lesson learned here. <laughs> take terrible notes, guys. I, I will say this. I'm glad it was... Well, I'm not glad. I'm more glad that it was the book than it was the violin, because that's what I mm. thought she was going to take. Mm. Yeah. I thought that too, dude. I was like, oh, shit. She's just going to be... A bar she's gonna sing. Like she's gonna sing. Yeah. <laughs> Which might actually just be better, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> those performance checks. Can, can Oriana sing? <laughs> no. no. Oriana can sing. That, that was me just shaking my head at Jay. Oh, okay. <laughs> she can sing. Man. Uh, she, it's not her preferred uh, method of casting her spells, but. AKA, it's not good. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm sorry, Jake. She <laughs> is a shy, demure little girl, okay? <sighs> Dude. Is she, though? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. okay. She's a proper lady. <laughs> is she, though? She is. Yes. She is no I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, she could be a freak in the sheets. I don't know. But <laughs> to, everyone, to everyone else, <laughs> she's a proper lady. Jake, is she? Uh, declined to comment. She has a German accent, okay? <laughs> that means she's thinking. BDSM is her thing. Yeah. Change whips. <laughs> the, the safe word is Gesundheit. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, man. Be, be that one uh, scene in Eurotrip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Terrible. Okay, tell us about your poor little stabber, R.I.P. I think we totally um, That's what I'm going to call it from now on, poor little stabber. <laughs> poor little stabber, dude. R.I.P. Your dad, R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. Um, yeah, I mean, for Ebony, it's it, it has a very deep connection to Dobby. I mean, from mo if most people remember, Dobby told Ball uh, uh, and, you know, a story of how he got it, but you know, being Dobby, everything's a story. Everything's a lie. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth. 
You don't need to know. Uh, but yeah, no, it has a very deeper connection than Dobby's really told anybody. Also because he still has that layer. Even with even with Sinric, he still has that layer of things he hasn't told Sinric. Um, you know, Sinric just thinks like, hey, Dobby, you know, he's done things, but he doesn't know the things he's truly done. Uh, and for the reasons he did those things. So if people just got to wait until like someone just cracks the final little wall Dobby kind of keeps in. Because uh, once that happens, a floodgate, it's just, just yeah, it's, it's the gooey center of Dobby. Yeah. yeah, you know, sometimes the gooey center isn't all that good. Uh, you crack it open, but it's tar. Just <laughs> <laughs> Like I thought this was going to be jam or something. Um, yeah. yeah, so... In Dobby's like vision, <laughs> yeah. So in Dobby's like end of um, end of episode vision, oh, God. <laughs> in Dobby's end of episode vision, um, he was essentially told that hey, you're kind of still going because of your companions. Is he taking that into account, or is he just too emotionally distraught right now to really accept the wisdom of that? I mean, hey, you know companions help get Dobby back you know his most cherished possession so you know that's that's that really means something to him and then you know him with the wrath is he was like ah, you know she's a bitch I don't really trust her <laughs> and then you know she's like hey idiot here's your dagger back also fucking work with your people don't be an ass <laughs> like okay got me the dagger back I'll listen to you <laughs> tell a bitch though <laughs> on one condition on one condition uh, but yeah no I mean yeah you'll see like Dobby like you know he's even now like in this whole endeavor regular Dobby would have gotten the fuck out of there he would have mm-hmm. already saw like by the time you know three people already went in it was technically like him Sinric and, and Perry he would have been like talking to Sinric like yo we need to get the fuck out of here but, you know, he was willing to risk, you know, his, his neck out for, for Ball, at least, you know. Yeah. Because technically, he, you know, Ball's kind of, you know, his part Buddies. They're buddies. They're like BFFs, yo. Yeah. Oh, shit. The you bromance know? is real. Yeah. <laughs> so real, you guys. So real. You know, they gotta, they gotta do, you know, Ball ball and Dobby's investigation. They're gonna get know, matching so. tattoos soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next time they have some free time and some money, they just turn up with like I don't know, a full sleeve, completely yeah. matching. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be Baltime's face on on Dobby's shoulder and Dobby's yeah. face on Baltime's shoulder. Yeah, you know, it's gonna be best buds for life. And then some people like, yeah, what the, what happened, man? <laughs> you know, I'm Amazing. Put it, put it, put it carry. <laughs> yeah, so Henry could be like, he'd be like, oh, what, what's the problem? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, cool beans. Um, so how nervous are you guys now feeling about going into the desert now that you've sort of experienced some of the hardships and turmoil that can happen out there in the sandy wastes? Oh, gosh. Uh, I think Oriana probably feels a little more confident about it because she mm-hmm. now knows, like, oh, there's stuff like this out here. Oh. Hey, maybe we just, you know, don't don't interact with something that is clearly out of our league. <laughs> just, you know, run away. Yeah. Um, yeah, mm. she she values it as a learning experience, not not as a not as a oh, we probably shouldn't 
Mm-hmm. Um, in Dobby's case, he's always reeling and ready to run away. I mean, you can already see this when the guards were coming in. No, he does not does not like to pop out. Um, but yeah, no, I mean in Dobby's sense, he he knows his limitations. He knows like shit when it gets real. It's just when it comes to Perry and Quinn, um, they are the moral compass of the group. And uh, yeah, no, they, 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 when an innocent person is involved, they go in, you know, head first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of difficult, um, you know, to kind of rein them back and be like, oh, sometimes, sometimes you're gonna run away, you know, <laughs> or die. Um, we gotta go. <laughs> yeah, we just gotta, just gotta go, you know. Gotta go or get paid. Hey. hey. On these. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. but um. I mean, hey, it's it's literally, you know, a, a flick of a coin, you know, you don't know what type of situation you're going to get into, you know, I just hope that it's it's not a TPK situation next time, but knowing Serenity, any situation is a TPK situation. Sandworms, <laughs> next episode. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Just a reskin purple worm. Yeah, I, I try not to make it TBK. I mean, I like I try. I, I did want to have side quests that were like. I one of the thing I do like is mm-hmm. I do like to have like areas and places where like you can choose to go there. Just like in any like RPG or any other world, like you can choose to go there. You can choose like they could choose to go to the Shadowlands right now. Will they survive it? Probably. Who knows? Probably not. Um you know um but like there are things that you could go up against you know you could fight an ancient dragon right now you know you probably you know you could probably find one do you want to probably not um and i like i like having those situations where it's like you see something and you can si- you can size it up similar to other things sizing you up and you can de- you can make a decision of like is taking it head on the right answer in this situation or is there another way of of handling this um whether that be like walking away at this point and saying like we can't do it or finding a different way of of figuring it out and maybe that includes cut and running in a way so i i like having those and i have like i have various like i've had various adventures where it's like this is actually hard to this is going to require you to talk your way out to all, all all sorts of of um stuff and i and i like that because in the real world it's uh, mm-hmm. You know, in, in reality, you are going to come up against things that are stronger than you. And what's what's your answer to that? Is is it like if if it's just we're just going to head on this every single time, eventually you're going to hit that wall and that's going to come back to bite you. And so it's trying to figure out other ways of dealing with situations, given the myriad of skills in this group, like everyone brings something to the table. So there has to be something that someone can potentially do and work with um, to figure the situation out. So. Yeah, which to add on to that, yeah, that that's something like a great thing that a DM always has that in their mindset is the ability to kind of understand and see kind of the possibilities of each and every one of your players can do with their character. And, you know, always kind of integrating that into any situation that they kind of find themselves in like yeah 
you know, you can always make your character feel like, oh yeah, you know, like you're constantly, like you're this hero that you can constantly do everything, you know, and, you know, have them go from one situation to another situation. Maybe it's combat, maybe it's, you know, doing something else, but, you know, keeping it kind of real and kind of in a, in a sense of, of any situation can either go very well or very bad, depending on the type of actions you make. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and it's just getting trying to get them to think like outside the box like i i reward for like thinking at really thinking outside the box but like this is why i was like i take pictures of like what spells they're taking and stuff like that to try and think of oh they were like interesting mm -hmm. like had they have like perry had erupting earth had she have erupted earth in his face and then someone grabbed the the, the chains and taken them um and then ori used um uh dissonant whispers to make him fear there's a way for like there's a lot of st stuff that they have in their repertoire to like make it work um and so like there was multiple ways of of having things go uh positively for them and for me to reward that kind of stuff it's just in the moment i know like i know mm -hmm. as a player in the moment it's like oh shit sometimes you just don't we... think of it yeah you yeah. don't think of it but i try to like think of like okay yeah if they do this in this situation that could go really well for them and so when they do the the thing is is most players don't think of that stuff right away but it's that like one battle or that one moment where they're like i'm gonna try this thing and when that happens it's it's so amazing because it it's doesn't so cool, happen yeah. often and so i like rewarding yeah. that kind of play and it, it doesn't happen often because people get like stuck in their head or get panicked and they're like oh my god everyone's dying um but you see it and when it does happen it just feels so good as a player and so i like to reward that and so i always try to give situations where like if you choose to do that um it, it'll you know it'll go out really well and then also i try obviously reward like if a natural 20 happens in the right place like like yeah. when sinric had that natural 20 in the spider lair i was like yeah he had a natural 20 he just and he's raging he just breaks like fuck being restrained he's just coming out of that and like going to town um and so i like rewarding that as well so i think there are those moments uh, it's just players kind of have to find them and think think about them yeah, I think it's always good to have like the opportunity to be creative because that's always, as Serenity was saying, that's always super cool when it happens and when it works. And it's super funny when it happens and it doesn't work. So really win-win. Yeah. Awesome. And this ties perfectly into our topic for the day, which is starting out as a new DM. Um, so we've just talked about rewarding creativity, but what, um, you've all DM'd, I know you have, um, what would everyone's like number one tip for a new DM be if you could break it down or pick one? I have one. Um, dude, just like have fun with it, man. D&D, &D, especially 5e, dude, it's so fluid. Like, you know, you can always, depending on you, it's always your discretion as a DM to mix and match, do things what you want. I always kind of try to make my combat as dynamic as possible. So, you know, if a character really thinks like, hey, you know, I just want to attack this guy's, you know, hand, try to see if I can maybe disarm him at a possible. So depending on, you know, like how from the difficulty scale, you know, 10 to 20, and then I'd also incorporate that into the attack as well. So if an attack hits, and depending on the number of the attack, then I have them roll like, you know, athletics or basic strength check. And then if that's good, then yeah, you know, they both attack and then both disarm the character as well. That's not in the, 
in the dungeon master's guide at all you know i just like doing that personally because i think you know it it makes you you know combat more fluid you're doing more actions you know you're always affecting the area and and the mobs you know to your own discretion <clears throat> i think my go-to tip for people new to dming would be um don't get caught up on the planning too much um I remember my my first full campaign session. I we did something in like the very opening quest, and they went on like a completely different track than what I expected. And I'm like, huh, okay, I really should have planned for that. And I spent like the next like two months of the game over planning every tiny little detail. And it got to the point where I was getting so frustrated with creating stuff for the game that. I ended up uh, just kind of dropping all preparation for a while and just saying, you know what? They're so chaotic in their choices and I can't prepare for everything. So let's just, let's just Wing see it, what guys. they want to do, you know? And, it just, and that became its own, you know, set of problems too. So, mm -hmm. you know, you went from one extreme to the other. Um, don't plan, plan for the plan to go awry, but don't, think that you have to plan for everything. Uh, Shush, Jay. Shush. For me, uh, for a beginner DM, um, the number one thing is find a group that has similar style to you. Um, I DM a certain way, and it's not for everyone. And I've had plenty of people who don't like it. And... The worst thing in a game is when someone starts head-on arguing with you. It's not fun for the rest of the players, it's not fun for you, and it feels like shit, and it feels like you're a shitty shitty DM, and you turn around and you're like, no, I'm not. Like, that's... This is how I play. Um, and so just sitting down with people and being like, like, here's kind of the story I want to tell, and obviously compromising with with players as well like you, you know they're not never no one's ever going to be a hundred percent exactly like you um but but sitting down sort of laying out like the kind of role play that you want to have like if if you're the type that just wants to like dungeon crawl and just have tons of fights and you know make it harrowing and and that's it then make sure that the players enjoy that if you're more of like you don't really like fights and you just want to storytell then maybe you have you know you talk with your group about that like i am kind of in, in the middle i think fights are great for fights but i hate running like i really hate running them i find them fucking boring um and i just like i just don't like them and which is why i kind of make them epic and i generally don't run like like i'll do a dungeon crawl very rarely um uh but that's why i do like the you'll you only see me ever have battle maps uh, because I don't do done like I hate having to like reveal area like that oh, I hate that mm. um but yeah like that's just the type of person I am and that's the type of story that I run um and so I think like as a DM it's just sitting down and finding those those people and then at that point it's really easy to just have fun and kind of like tell a story and not have to worry about the rules or anything because the people that you're playing with will trust you and trust that they want to have the same type of fun as you so Ooh, also to add on um you know, just look at, I guess, like, pictures and images for me. I don't know. Uh, I don't really get ideas, like, off the bat. It's, like, I resources, like, outside stimulus that I see or hear. I just kind of always 
like have a notebook or like make a note on my phone. It's just like, oh, that'd be a cool idea. Maybe I, I should come back to that or like, oh, that's a cool picture or a cool type of map. Let me save this here. And then I can always incorporate it somewhere, you know, always kind of absorb what's around you and then just utilize it where you can. So it's like, it's not taxing. It's, it's always kind of fun, like a, like a treasure hunt. You're always looking for the next thing. Pinterest. <laughs> exactly. Pinterest is great. Yeah. Out of Pinterest, Pinterest. Is, is probably your best friend. Super great. Um, let's see. So as someone, um, for someone who has like never run a campaign before, like how, what's the best way to kind of like suss out and figure out what kind of campaign you want to run initially, if that makes sense? Because I think probably when you're a beginner, like you have either so many ideas or you don't have, an, or you have what feels like no ideas at all. How do you find like the one thing that's going to work for you? Is it just like experience that tells you that like, advice i think i think um looking at a few like of the modules probably would kind of give you an idea mm -hmm. of like generally how to run something but i think like for me i i think of a game as like a, a novel or a movie or a comic book series or like it generally has like i one i think like definitely know how long do you want to run the campaign that will give you an idea of like, do you want, first of all, do you want to start at like level one? Do you, you know, some people hate level one to level three. So they just start people at level three. Um, some people will just start a thing at level five because that's when you get like your spike and then you can kind of do fun stuff after. But it's like, when do you want to end? Do you want to go to level 20? Because um, things get a little weird and fuzzy uh, between 15 and, and 20 in, in 5e. Like you just get really super powerful and it's hard to throw challenging things at players. Um, but yeah, kind of know that. Then from there, it's kind of like deciding, like, what is the story you want to tell? Like, ultimately, where do you want to go with this? I generally create, like, three three arcs, almost like beginning, middle, and end of, like, the story that I want to tell. And I have those planned out. Um, and uh, and then from there, you could just start crafting. Uh, it, and it's up to you on before the game starts or before the the you, you start the, the full full-on campaign is like how much of this world do you want to build um or do you want to build on the fly kind of thing um so so yeah that's that's generally how i how i start out is um is working backwards from like i have my general arc i know how long i want this campaign to be and then i look at character backstory and i'm like okay how can i place this in to make it organic and um and feel right the way i do mine is uh kind of like i start out with like a spider web map you know mm -hmm. and i start with a with a theme what do i want the overall tone to be and kind of it from there it goes into settings and then from settings it kind of goes into like rules of the world and then characters and then locations and so on and so forth and then it kind of branches out until you kind of had this like <laughs> a huge kind of brain map that people look at and you think like it's insane but you can just be like oh dude this is crazy and then you kind of slowly piece it together like a puzzle and then that's how i create a game dude i know it's it's weird for some but others might actually like that might work for them so kind of just start from one section and then it'll kind of be like progression steps to move to the overall kind of picture you're gonna see towards the end 
Um, I would definitely start with what kind of story you want to tell. Um, do you want this to be a, you know, happy-go-lucky romp through a fan fantasy world? Um, do you want this to be a very character-driven story of their backstories all either connect to each other in some way or uh, connect to the main plot of your the story you want to tell in some way, kind of kind of like Vox Machina did in a way in Critical Role, or is this just something that you just you you just wanted to see exist, and you don't really have a story? In that case, just kind of take what you're given with in terms of your players, and maybe just focus on individual stories at a time. Um, but it all really boils down to um, the story you want to tell. And if there isn't a story, find one. Good advice. Um, it's a little bit off topic, but I actually wanted to ask, like, have you guys ever ran or played a game that like went to the high levels, like 16 to 20? Because I haven't, I'm wondering what those are like. <laughs> The highest I've ever gone in 5e, I want to say was, from starting at level 1, was probably <laughs> 10, I think. It, w it was not higher than that. The only times I played characters higher level than that were, like, one-shots. <laughs> For me, I actually... Uh, as Serenity was saying, I'm kind of the individual that just like starts at three because I feel like you already kind of know what you want your character to be, you know. And so I start from there, and I usually end for me. I think the one game I did was around level probably 13, 14. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was grueling because <laughs> anytime a character would die, you know, you know, or any type of resurrection, I, I, I'm the type of character that you know, hey. Uh, do you, but if, if you do make those kinds of choices, I kind of penalize a little bit, you know, just so if there is like a, a TPK or like there is like a kind of section that they, they were doing a little weird. Um, I kind of have them start out from a, a lower level mm -hmm. than they were originally just so that they know it's still a grind in a sense. So yeah, that's just how I do it. <sighs> so, yeah. uh, me? Um, no, I've never, I've, well, I think like 10, probably the highest. Um, I play, I've played a couple that have like started high level. They've never gone mm -hmm. very far. Um, I think it's harder to like start super high level because then you have to like already drum up all of this. Like, why is your character kind of like a demigod at that point? Like, why are they so well-traveled? Um, and like trying to integrate with like the rest of a group is, is difficult um, if they don't mesh well. Uh, but, but yeah, no, I haven't. I'm most, a lot of DMS don't like, like a lot of DMS that I've played with um, don't like going high. And I, like I said, it's kind of because PCs break at a certain point like they just get mm -hmm. so powerful that it's really hard to throw stuff that like is challenging at them and for a lot of people um they, they'll just get like they'll get bored with that kind of stuff um and I think that that's why a, a lot of DMs like won't go that way 
Whereas some, if again, if you're like trying, if you're very story driven, like super challenging combat is maybe not your goal. Um, and so that then getting to those higher levels is not like if you kill something, it's like, whatever, that wasn't, that, that's not the point anyways. It's like the journey that's, that's happening to get to where yeah. you're going. Um, and so I, I think there are a lot of DMs that don't, don't do that. Cause they don't like a lot of people really enjoy combat and really want to see like the difficulty and want to, you know, but I don't, I hate it. So for me, it's a story and yeah. I'm happy to go to 20. Well, as a certain as a certain point, you do have to start like fighting gods, which could be very interesting. I think, like, um, you know, personally, I would I think be interested in running like a high level campaign just because I want because I like the character driven stuff. I want to see like the difficulties of essentially being a demigod or a group of demigods in society. Like, what the fuck are you doing now? Who are you? Um, that could be very interesting. Anyway, I digress. Um, so do 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 do. So um, last week we did talk about pre-made models and then Jake um, mentioned them briefly. So do you consider like pre-made models like the default thing that a new GM should start with or would you recommend they start homebrewing right away or does it depend? Hmm. I, I, I don't know actually. There's pros and cons to running a model first, as your like first ever foray into DMing. The pro being that obviously you don't have to worry about creating the whole world; uh, it's already there for you. You know, if you were running Strahd, you don't have to create Barovia; it's already there. Um, but the con side to that is that you don't understand the world, so you have to put in the time to research the module and you know figure out. What, Okay, if the party goes here, what happens? If the party goes here, what happens? It's not something where you can just improv it unless your party is okay with going through a homebrewed version of Barovia or something like that. Um, again, when you talk about homebrew as your first world, my first foray into DMing was a purely homebrewed world, mostly because I just didn't have a lot of D. D&D experience at that point. Me um, too, buddy. I didn't want to read. I, play, I did not want to read the book. I want to read, dude. No. Nope. Yeah, I played, I think it was like second edition back in college once oh, or twice. Damn. And then I had a bunch of friends who were into D&D and I was thinking, you know, it'd be nice to play some D&D. But nobody wanted to DM, so I offered to DM it, and that was my first foray. And I made a completely homebrewed world. Um, and the tr the struggle with that was just, again, what if the party doesn't do what you expect them to do? And how do you adapt to that? You don't have a book to tell you, okay, well, they went to this place, so this happens. Um, so I would... I don't know if I would recommend one over the other. I would say think about how you would want to DM and then pick what feels right. Is it easier for you to just read the whole, you know, book of Curse of Strahd and then run a campaign on it? Or is it easier for you to just create your own world and, be, and have the freedom to do whatever you want with it? Thank you. Thoughts from Jake. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, oh yeah, you go, Serena. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, I think it just depends on the person. 
Like, really, there are some people who are like super comfortable just going off and telling a story in a world that like some people just have such active imaginations. It's amazing. Um, and they can just uh, like the, the world that you created, uh, Truth, when we played, um, that was so awesome. And I, I, I think you had only been just DMing for your family, right? Like before. Yeah, I've been running a game for my mom and my brother, yeah. which is actually like in the same universe, but in a different country. Yeah, and I want to go back there so bad. Yeah. We will go back to Tamatage one day. Yeah, I swear. And, and so you created Tomatage? that. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, was, it was really great. And, uh, and it didn't feel like uh, at all that you didn't have a sense of what what you wanted to what story you wanted to tell and what you wanted to do with the world. And so um, I think I think it was a, it was a fantastic game to play yeah. but then but then i think that there are people who are just terrified of that and not and having a module and having uh, some guidelines for which way to go um is like a, a safety blanket for a lot of people mm -hmm. starting to to dm and i think you know i think it really just depends like some for some people that's a comfortable place to be in and they can still veer off the path a little bit and and players can do so but they at least have some guidelines and things to rein in if that should happen whereas like in your own world if if people decide like you know if you're like well here's the main quest and they're like no no we want to go in this direction it's like now you got to figure out like what are you what are you doing and how do you mold your story so that like oh if they decide to go eastward you can still get your main main mm -hmm. plot points in and things like that and um that can be a little more daunting for people so i think it really just depends on the person and and, and how they feel um and i i think by first DMing was to homebrew as well, just because mm -hmm. I have a bunch of thoughts in my head and things that I like to 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 do, um, and also because there are so many like if you think of um, uh, the the world um, that is used for uh, D and D now uh, that has like never yeah Faerun like that has yeah. never winter and Baldur's Gate there are so many are like actual like triple a games that have created stories around it can be daunting going in that role and like doing something wrong um like wrong in the sense of like that that these game like the direction that these games mm -hmm. in or you don't play a character as as people have as traditionally to. seen yeah. them or whatnot and so you're taking on personality yeah. of something you that have to someone like learn else about is... the spell plague and i don't want to read about the yeah you know like <laughs> like it's it's it, it can be daunting if you're not you know well versed in that and so um and so it really really depends on the the type of person you are and what you feel comfortable with to be honest mm -hmm. i think yeah man homebrew gang you know uh did did We're all not the homebrew gang. <laughs> Dude, I did not want to read like <laughs> modules at all, dude. I was like, I was dude. like, oh, yeah, because I, I, I think I came into D and D at like three point five, and then mm. there was nobody to really play with, and I was like, okay, this is a lot. And then I went to like, and I just started strictly just a player for five e, but then you know, like I said, like a, a lot of like like a lot of my games were just cut short because of like dm and player situations so i was like yo yeah let me just do it myself and you know i was looking at modules didn't want to do modules i was like hey i played enough games i could i can do i could do this you know and it was rocky at first i you know always have a an understanding um like group of players you know <laughs> and just have fun with it dude like fuck man at one point i had to 
fighting a dire bunny, dude. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yo, dude, just go weird with it, man. At just some point, you just gotta laugh. Ugh. Get weird, guys. Make it weird, always. That's true. <laughs> Um, okay, so I think one of the things that um, definitely me and perhaps some other beginning DMs are unsure about is like what kind of prep you should do and how much. I Jake talked before about like find the right balance between prepping and being able to be flexible and being able to improvise in the moment. I know Serenity does a ton of improv and because this party never does what she expects ever. Um, so I think the biggest question is like how do you prep? Just what on earth do you do? I have a document of like 70,000 words. <laughs> um, but that's for this campaign. Uh -huh. uh, because, uh, because I want to be eloquent enough in my visuals for people watching. Um, mm. Generally, I, I don't do that much prep, but I literally am writing like full on sentences of like cities and like what they're seeing so that people watching can also visualize like, oh, OK, this is what this looks like. Um, but generally, I do very point form kind of notes of here are three potential directions that the players are going to get. Um, and if they go down this one versus this one versus this one, here are the potential things that could happen and then uh and then it's very like loosey-goosey and the way that I, i'll do things is i'll generally create encounters that can happen anywhere mm -hmm. so i can slot them in um you know unless it's like a specific boss for like you know the end of an adventure or um or you know wouldn't show up you know down this path but like generally um if it's just like okay they're going you're they're it, it does, whether they go through a forest or whether they go travel on the road in a grassland or, you know, whether they go up the mountain here is like an encounter that they could potentially have and would make sense. I generally do that. And then, and then I can just shift it to whatever like scenery it needs, needs to be. Um, and that's kind of how, how I, I set my stuff up. And again, a lot of it is, I know who my major players are in the world that I kind of like want them to meet and just, putting them in in specific areas to help tell like full, further flesh out the story and tell it um but yeah uh not this campaign is like normal campaign is um is definitely point formed uh and just kind of like here's kind of what i want to do and even if they go in a completely opposite direction i can still steer things uh mm -hmm. to make it not feel like they're on rails and like they're being forced in a certain direction but i can still keep the main parts of the story cohesive so that they know where the next place is and, and kind of where the story is heading um me i just do basic just world stuff and then just rules locations places and then that's it i kind of just goes balls to the wall and um, I usually record myself when I'm DMing so that when I'm going in it, like I can remember what I said because I'm, I'm going in because I have because if you look out there, there's a bunch of DM resources you can do just random generation stuff. So you're just constantly on the move, constantly going. And it kind of keeps you on your toes, uh, which I, I like as a DM, you know, um, and then you can just kind of plug and play and just see where your party kind of goes. I mean, I remember there was. I, I did a whole campaign and there was like no kind of like big bad guy at the end and then I think what they did was they were kind of like they they were kind of like following this dude 
and he was just this kind of like suspicious looking dude <laughs> and they followed him throughout the entire city and then um i just kind of went with it and so it became this entire conspiracy with this whole city and that they were kind of like this secret government cult and were slowly the Margrave. The Margrave. Oh, uh, <laughs> the Margrave. That's an inside joke from our Monday game. Mm. Yeah, Love sharing they... inside jokes with the people who don't watch the game. Yeah, but there's these cultists that followed this group called the Valmorum, which were these kind of like collective individuals that were trying to bring back this ancient god, which mm. was cast away, which all the other gods, you know, good and evil, bound like came together to kind of get him away from the world, and these like people were trying to bring him back so that I, I just came out of that with nowhere and i was like oh shit okay cool yeah i can i can roll with this and i was listening to myself and i was like okay yeah let's let's write this down and you know you just kind of go with it and then you i molded the story around it until it kind of became solid and even then it was just the skeleton that you know i just added pieces to but until it became a, a, a ending campaign which was cool and they 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 never believed me when i was like yeah this is total bullshit i'm, I'm fucking pulling this out of my ass this <laughs> episode up guys <laughs> oh man i am um, when i'm when i'm planning when i'm doing this kind of stuff i normally try and limit descriptions of a city if it's like a smaller city down to like a paragraph and if it's a larger city, you know, maybe like a paragraph for the city at large and maybe like a couple sentences on each district in the city. Um, in terms of like, you know, BBEGs and stuff like that, I try not to plan way far down the line because they could kill the guy I have planned as a BBEG before he becomes the BBEG. Um, instead, I like to create different plot threads and just see how those develop over time. In our current Wednesday game, there's a plot thread who was developed uh, as a as an antagonist to um, a character who was originally part of the campaign who left. Um, but it made sense to kind of continue that connection with another character that is currently playing. And then from there, they've sort of developed into the pseudo BBEG that they've already faced off against once, but weren't able to beat. So now maybe that person goes, gets stronger, comes back as the BBEG. Hmm. You never know. Awesome. Um, so what would you guys say was like the number one lesson you learned from running your first game? Um know when to say kind of keep your party you know from doing something completely like ridiculous um to the point where it would, it would ruin the game for not only them but yourself but having kind of the ability to gauge you know what they're doing and then kind of match their energy and then just roll with it so it, it's kind of that being being able to be both malleable and then stern at the same time you know no one to say no be careful that the story you want to tell doesn't become the only story being told. My first full homebrew campaign, I guess, I guess technically it was my second. Um, 
it became this whole thing where I went from so unstructured in my first campaign to so structured in my second campaign that it wasn't until about, I don't know, three months into playing the game that I realized, oh, they haven't decided where they wanted to go once since we started this campaign. I've just been telling them, oh, you should probably go here next. Mm-hmm. So be careful that your story is not getting in the way of the player's story. Just be flexible. I think that's that's mine. Just be just, flexible. Uh, you will have to improv more than you know, and don't be scared of it, and just go with it. The majority of the time, your players have no fucking clue that you're pulling shit out of your ass. Um, and uh, yeah, they never know. And I end up telling them like after a game, I'm like, like that whole ending of the last session was complete like that was not planned at all that was not in my notes had nothing to do it just came out of my head at the very very end and i was like yeah this makes sense like this is how we're gonna do it um and generally like your players will just be most of the time be impressed they'll be like wow that was really good i enjoyed that um and so just not don't be don't be scared to like take things in weird and wild directions (laughs) um because majority of the time people will enjoy it um, and if they don't, you know, your players will usually give you a heads up and be like, mm, that was kind of weird. Um, and you can adjust for that next time. But I would say majority of the time, improv tends to bring out some of the most interesting stories. So. Yeah, I think people have a lot like more ability to, t- to tell spontaneous stories than they think they do. I definitely could never tell when Serenity was improv. I've always been impressed by that. Um, let's see, for me... I think definitely the one thing that I learned was early game team bonding is so important because I could not keep you guys fucking together in the same place. I know they we're always up. doing they other were, stuff. Always yeah. doing other stuff. They sided with three different factions. There were three factions. We had them evenly split and amongst each the three. one of us went <laughs> <and> split. <laughs> Amazing. It was fun. It was great. But like I had to like run several different games because you guys were all And it's hard, right? Because if you have certain players like sitting there waiting, um, like it's okay every once in a while. But if it's every game where it's like, okay, an hour is spent on you and then an hour is spent on you and then an hour is spent on this other person. And then by the end of the session, everyone's played an hour, but then the other two, they're like watching and and no one's together and can't make decisions. And they're learning all of this stuff, but stuff that they can't use because like meta wise, they don't, you know, they don't know it um yeah that it can be really really difficult that was the like for this group that was like a hard thing because because i knew dobby was going to be like i don't fucking so i was like no i'm just gonna have them all marked um and they're just gonna have to kind of it's gonna be told that they kind of have to stick together and there's still options they've he's still made choices like as dobby to go off and has had things happen um and that's still you know still sometimes they do things separately but i think they're starting to learn that like together is in, in general, together is the right way to do things. And, and yeah, you have to kind of find that with your group. Also, have players that understand that, yes, you will have clashing personalities. And this is something to sit down with your players and talk talk about. But, like, at some point, you have to, like, for the good of the group, make a decision to, like, okay, I'm gonna we're going to stick together, you know. Show Railroad, you guys, more. Anyway, so that's our time for tonight. Thank you guys so much. I hope you've learned something for all you beginning DMs and hopefully learned something for all you not beginning DMs too. Um, Stick around afterwards for links. See us next week on Tuesday and see um, the next episode of Roll for Damage on Friday. Yeah, 20th. Five months. Oh, the 20th episode. Yeah. Big anniversary. Definitely tune in for that. 
I can't promise that there'll be anything cool, but I'm sure Serenity has something planned. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Good night, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.